we are being transformed into Christ-likeness. Amen? Amen. Uh, I hope that's true. And I hope that's more than just something that we'll, we will say it for the rest of the year just so you get used to it. But, um, but I hope that that's true for you. Uh, he's been working on me, and I pray that he's been working on you too. Uh, Professor Joe Warrington, Pastor Joe Warrington, is going to help us explore another facet of being transformed into Christ-likeness this evening. So, oh, where'd you go? Oh, there he is, over here. I, you know, if I, don't know, if I don't see the preacher and, he's, and I'm not supposed to preach, I want to make sure that he's here. So. so stand and let's sing a song to the king. Two, three, four. We love you the best we know how. With our obedience, with our lives, with our questions and our concerns, with your spirit who is at work within us and the grace that makes it possible for us to trust you. We love you the best we know how. And in the words of the old songwriter, oh, for grace to love you more. That's what we pray. So accept everything that we've offered to you today. And bless it for your sake. Shape it for your sake. Use it for your sake. And now help us hear your word through your servant. We want our lives to say we love you all the more by the time we're through this evening. You may be seated. Well, good evening. Good evening. Amen. It's good to be here. It's good to be here on my 56th birthday. Amen. Amen. I remember six years ago, I was preaching also on my 50th birthday. So it happens every six years, it looks like. <clears throat> but God is good, isn't he? Yes. And uh, I'm just so thankful for who he is and uh, what he's doing in our lives. Praise the Lord. This evening, I invite you to turn with me to the epistle of St. John, chapter 4. And uh, we want to look at a few verses. Uh, verse 16 through 18 is the uh, text but I invite you to have your Bibles open and leave it to that chapter and we'll look at some other verses as well. Uh, the title tonight, Perfect Love. And uh, whenever we hear the word perfect right away our uh, defenses go up. Uh, it's a biblical word so we'll stick with it. Uh, but 
we may want to think in terms that it is not absolute perfection that's God it is not even angelic perfection that's for angels uh, as much as we may think we are angelic we are not uh, it's not Adamic perfection that is what Adam was before the fall but it is more evangelical perfection it's what God does through the work of his spirit in us to give us perfect love love for him with all of our heart with all of our mind with all of our strength somebody had to say amen. amen amen so let's look at this text verse 16 first John chapter 4 and so we know and rely on the love God has for us God is love what a declaration God is love whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him in this way love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him I think this is the key to understand this little passage here for tonight in this world we are like him there is no fear in love but perfect love here's a word again perfect love dries out fear because fear has to do with punishment and the one who fears is not <clears throat> made perfect in love so if you have trouble with the word perfect take it up with John <laughs> although first John is referred to as an epistle it is not written like one it uh, does not have the usual salutation or greetings like the other uh, epistles neither does it indicate who it is written to or who wrote it it looks more like a tract a paper of sorts and you're familiar with writing papers so it's more like a paper a homily maybe uh, uh, addressing some concerns that were affecting the Christian community in Asia Minor leading city of course is Ephesus apparently there seems to have been a group that seceded from the what we call the Johannine community uh, claiming to have a superior teaching about Christ and the path to salvation the letter was written to protect the remaining uh, community the remaining group against what we call some Christological and ethical errors the passage of concern tonight draws us into the ethical obligation of loving of loving completely loving with a depth of love that is described as perfect or complete there are at least three things I want to draw upon uh, with us tonight we see first of all the inspiration 
for perfect love in, in this chapter. Uh, go back with me to verse 7 and uh, through verse 13 in, in, in our text in this chapter. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. So the inspiration then for our loving is God himself and what he has accomplished through his son. In verse 9 we see the incarnation. He, he tells us, John tells us in verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his son, his one and only son, into the world that we might live through him. The incarnation provides for us the inspiration of love. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son for us. But then we see the, not only the incarnation as providing inspiration for us, but we see the crucifixion. Verse 10. Verse 10 reads, This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The cross then becomes the greatest inspiration of love. That God in his mercy, that God in his wonderful, infinite, redeeming grace sent his son to Calvary for us. So John says, God is love. He came and in his coming he went to the cross as an atoning sacrifice for us. That's the picture of love. He, the innocent for the guilty, in a vicarious way, took upon himself our sins. He who knew no sin was made sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. But then there is a third way we look at this inspiration for perfect love. And it's in, in verse 13. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. So the trinity, it's very trinitarian here in this inspiration. God sent his son. His son went to the cross and now they sent the Holy Spirit to us. Give us the Spirit. Pentecost was what, that which God had promised and fulfilled as part of his package of love. The jewel for the church. The strength and power, the cleansing, the, 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 the energy for the church to be at its best, to demonstrate the love that he has poured into our hearts. Paul captured that in Romans chapter 5 and verse 5 when he says, For the love of God is 
poured in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Whenever you think of the Holy Spirit, you cannot separate it from the love of God. Acts chapter 2 verse 33 in Peter's Pentecostal sermon. He says, when Christ was exalted to the right hand of the Father, he received the Holy Spirit and poured it to the church. The inspiration for perfect love tonight comes from what God has done in the incarnation, in crucifixion, and at Pentecost. But we want to move on to the experience itself, not just the, the inspiration for it. We, we know God has inspired for us to love, but he wants us to experience perfect love. And John was concerned with the folks there in, the, in Asia Minor, lest they be misled by heresy that they had obtained such great knowledge as a path to salvation that they would have failed to see the dimensions of what it means to be Christian. Because to be Christian is to be loving. To be Christian is to be filled with the love of God. To be Christian is to experience perfect love. So what does that perfect love, what does this beloved apostle have in mind when he speaks to us of perfect love? And as I said earlier, the key to what he has in mind, I believe, is that statement, because in this world we are like him. He's referring to Christ. He's, go back with me to verse 17 again. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence in the day of judgment because in this world, we are like him. He's not referring to the sufferings and the hostility Jesus endured when he was on earth and therefore we will be like him in suffering. Though that may be true, we will suffer. But that's not what John has in mind when he says we will be, we are like him in this world. And he's not referring to the future when the glorified Christ will return and our bodies will be changed. And though that may be true, but that's not, he's speaking here, the tense is present. We are like him now. The righteous one. The holy one. We are in a sense a facsimile of him. That's an interesting word. That thought came, I was at my computer at home, in my office at home, and on the table is a fax machine. And as I was studying this, it occurred to me that, you know, uh, this technology might just help me here. Uh, 
when I fax something, the receiving person gets a copy, an exact copy, so to speak, a replica, a, uh, a reproduction of what I sent. John, in a sense, is saying, we are a facsimile of him. And if that is so, and it is what he's saying, then we have to believe that we have a heart of love like him. So how do we get that? How do we arrive in experience, to experience perfect love? It is not a love that is imputed, and, uh, but it is a love that is imparted to us. It is a love that invades us. It is God himself invading us. Amen. Uh, John has already said some of this in previous chapters. In chapter 2, and verse 29, here, listen to what he has written. He said, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. Righteousness is the motive and the explanation for experiential love. And then in chapter 3, verse 3, he, he writes, uh, he, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. We are like him, pure, righteous, holy. But this is not only John. This goes back to the Old Testament. And uh, there are a couple passages in the book of Deuteronomy I want to draw your attention to. The first one is, uh, is in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. And I want you to listen to this. Of this perfect love. This love that invades the soul, that implodes in the human heart, that believes and trusts. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strengths. And you say, how do we get that? He's commanding us to do that. He's requiring of us to do that. In, again in Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 6. The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts 
and you will take possession, sorry, the, the, the Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants, so that, purpose clause here, so that you may love him with all your heart, and with all your soul, and live. So he requires, and then he performs. What he commands, he provides for. You will love him with all your heart, with all your strength, all your might. I will circumcise your heart so that you will love with all your might, strength, and soul. And then at this time you're saying, well, that was in the old economy. That was the old. What if? Well, let's go to Paul. I, let me draw your attention to Colossians chapter 2 and verse 11. Because I believe Paul answers what Paul, what uh, Moses wrote and echoes in the book of Deuteronomy. Chapter 2 of Colossians, chapter 2, verse 11. In him, in him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ. Christ circumcise the heart so that we can love God with all of our heart and strength and might. Amen. So that we can have that perfect love that John lived in the reality of. And, 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 and is calling upon us to live that way. Oh, my dear friends, it is that which Jesus himself in Matthew chapter, 40, uh, chapter 5 and verse 48 says, be ye perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. It's a perfection of love. And the circumcision of the heart is equated with the sanctifying grace of God. It is what God does. It is what the resurrected Christ through the power of the Spirit sanctifies the heart through and through, so that we'll have this kind of love, so we can love God. But the third view of this passage on perfect love is that John says that not only will we have, do we have inspiration for that love and the experience of it, but the assurance, the confidence, that comes with it. Notice the text with me, verse 18. In verse 18, John writes, the Apostle John writes, there is no fear in love, but perfect love dries out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Assurance. Assurance not only to live now, but to live our lives without the fear of the judgment to come. This is a present reality here. That we're not living our lives in, afraid in the sense of, of, of who God is. But we have intimate relationship with him. We love him because he first loved us. Now, there probably, when I look at the word fear and love, I thought, I'm thinking of there are probably three classes, four classes of people. There are those who have no fear and no love. 
the hard, calloused pagans, we may say, maybe even worse than pagans. No fear, no God, no love. They're those that have fear and no love. They have some sense that God has his laws and God exists, but they're without him. They're unregenerate. And they're those that have love, but they still have fear. They're yet carnal. They have not totally surrendered to God and experienced his sanctifying grace. And they live an up and down life. And they have a certain amount of the fear of judgment that some of the things they're doing, they would die in that situation. They're not very sure where things are going with them. And then there's the fourth group which John is part of, which he's telling us here tonight. Those who love and have no fear. That they have confidence in their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, tonight God is not demanding something from us that is beyond our reach. This was not an experience unique to the apostles and to the early first century Christians. In fact, Charles Wesley captured the meaning of this love when he penned the words, a heart in every thought renewed and full of love divine, perfect and right and pure and good, a copy, Lord, of thine, penned in 1742. In another of his more familiar hymns to us, he wrote, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eyes diffused a quickening ray. I walked the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, should die for me. We are to be holy because God is holy. We are to be merciful because God is merciful. We are to be loving because God is loving. Tonight, I trust as we, as we come we've come here to worship. My, I've been praying that God would give us uh, an outpouring of his love. Not just for him, which is fine, but for one another. For the NBC community. That we will have an experience of perfect love as we surrender ourselves to him that we will begin to love like we've never loved before. That we'll go home to our families and see them in a new way. And begin to love our spouses, children, 
that there will be a spigot from heaven just pouring love and the grace of God you see you can come to NBC and, and get your mind filled but if you do not leave this place with a heart aflamed blazing with the love of God your work is not complete a love that will give you boldness and courage a love that will sustain you in difficult circumstances a love that is more than knowledge and gnosis which is what John was dealing with with the Gnostics a love that is not a theory not a philosophy but a practical day in and day out experience with each other and with God himself oh thank God sweet love of God fellowship divine mm, Jesus is a friend of mine and you are to look at your brothers and sisters and say you're a friend of mine and I love you with the love of the Lord and you'll begin to see the world filtered through this redemptive love and through this perfect love and your our lives will never be the same again and it could be that there is someone on campus that you have difficulty with and you need to go to them and say brother or sister I have harbored resentment in, your, in my heart towards you but God has called me to a higher standard of living and I want to let you know that I love you would you forgive me oh we need to go home and settle things we left some untaken care of business at home unfinished business we'll take care of that and surrender it all to him and let him circumcise us circumcision is not done over a period of time it's an instantaneous thing he's just circumcised you it's a work of grace purity is the work of a moment maturity and growth is the lifetime is the harvest of years oh that God pour his love in our hearts tonight and give us a new song a song of love to sing this old song in response. Of our hearts here tonight, we want to be like you. We are like you. When you work your work in our hearts. Lord, as we leave this place tonight, help us in every way possible to experience this perfect love thank you so much give us Lord what it is that we need we thank you and we praise you we worship you in Jesus name amen and amen God bless you
Mühe des Willens. Amen.